welcome you this morning to the Lord's house. We want to begin our worship today, number 726. It's a hymn by Isaac Watts, Lord, how delightful it is to see a whole assembly worship Thee. At once they sing, at once they pray, they hear of heaven and learn the way. Well, of course, the Scripture tells us and teaches us the way to heaven and how we are to live on earth until we get there. And part of our sanctification process, it's what it's all about. And we pray that as our time today in the Lord's house would be profitable to us all, that we will hear the Word of God, mix it with faith, so that we will grow in our Lord Jesus Christ. So you're very welcome here this morning. We trust the Lord will bless this day to us. Let's stand please to worship our God. As we come to pray this morning, one prayer request I want to leave with you. We just heard today about young Caleb Schultz. He's the son of Reverend Milos Schultz in the Czech Republic. Just a couple of days ago, he was on his way to school, and he suffered from what is called a collapsed lung, and he was taken into the ICU and had to have emergency surgery and uh, spoke with Milos this morning, and also he was able, he was in the hospital with Caleb, and uh, we were able to do a WhatsApp video call for just a few moments, and Caleb's doing much better following the surgery, and he's on the mend, but I know that the family will be very much thankful for our prayers 
for them today. Heavenly Father, we bow in the Savior's precious name this morning, and it is, Lord, once again our great joy to be in the house of prayer and worship on this another Lord's Day that You have so kindly and graciously granted to us. Lord, we are, we are not worthy of the next breath that we breathe, but Lord, we know that we are kept in Your hand and we are given life as a gift. And therefore, Lord, we are thankful and want to cherish the moments and the time that You give to us. And especially, Lord, as we are with Your people in the house of praise, that we would know the help of the Holy Spirit in our worship, giving us understanding in the Scripture, helping us, Lord, to seek the face of our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and that as a result of our time here today, no, Lord, it'll not be just coming to another service, just putting in time, going through the motions of some form of worship. We don't want that at all. We want, O oh God, a meeting with the Spirit, with our Savior. We want, Lord, to know the mind of Jesus in our hearts, directing us, instructing, leading, conforming us more to Him. Dear Lord, come near and help us today. Pour out Your Spirit on everyone gathered here, each one in their home watching online today, wherever they might be. Lord, fit a blessing to every heart. Speak powerfully through Your Word to our hearts. Lord, help us in our life situations. Help us when we find ourselves most helpless. We have no might. We have no power. We have no knowledge, no ability oftentimes to know what to do, where to go when the problems of life hit us. But just at that moment, Lord, may we again rest by faith and trusting in our God. For we have the promises that are so many. Promises that are secure in our Lord Jesus. Promises, Father, that reinforce to us Your faithfulness and kindness time and time again. So, Lord, hear our prayers. Draw very near to us this morning. We pray, Lord, for those in special need. We think of Caleb today, and we ask for Your blessing upon him in hospital now. Speed the healing process as a young man, that there will not be any debilitating situations as a result of this. And Lord, we think of the work in the Czech Republic, and we pray for Brother Schultz as he ministers the Word just now, his evening service. Lord, pour out Your Spirit mightily upon him and bless him, and may there be an ingathering of souls, souls saved, and a building up of that work. Lord, hear our prayer. 
Remember today the Watson family and help them in the loss of their dear mother. We think also of our sister Beulah Gallagher and the loss of her mother at this time. Comfort her and bless her. And we know, Lord, there are others that are in great need today. Bless abundantly every family in our church. Do not allow anyone to be on the outside of blessing. And wherever the devil is attacking, Lord, defeat him, we pray. Pour in your grace and your love and power and let us know again that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Father, come and pour out your Spirit abundantly that we might know that gracious awakening, reviving of the Spirit of God so that we will walk closer with our Lord, so that we will know victory over the temptations the devil would set in our path by the power of the Spirit that abides within us, and that, Lord, we will be able to be witnesses for our God. Lord, open the door of opportunity. There is, there is much opportunity before us. And Lord, go in front Make the way clear, the crooked ways straight, the rough places plain. Take away the fear of man that brings a snare to us. But let us rather trust in our God with all our hearts, because we know that in and through Him we have the victory. Hear our prayers today. Bless us now. In Jesus' holy name we ask. Amen. Psalm 90, the first selection, please. The Psalms are at the back of our book. Let's stand, please, again to sing.
Turning now to the book of 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3. The book of 2 Thessalonians, third chapter. We're reading the first five verses. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men For all men have not faith. But the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord, direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. The Lord calls His people to love one another. We were thinking last Lord's Day morning of the Lord's Prayer in John 17 and how He prayed that all of His people would be one as Jesus is one with His Father. And the love that is reciprocal between the Father and the Son is the same love that we are to have one toward another. Paul says in verse 5 that the Lord would direct your hearts into the love of God. We have to be directed. We have to be told and pointed to. So often, we don't come up to the mark in that way, but the Spirit of God that is in us, the divine nature which He has given to us, well, it means that we are able to love God by His grace and power. We are able to love His Word, and we are able to love His people. But he does mention in the second verse, and asks a prayer that they would be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. The word unreasonable in the margin is absurd. Absurd men, people. Well, you have not to look very far around you today to see this description of absurdity that is in our society. The unreasonableness of people who, when faced with the truth of God's Word and the absolute standard that God has given, have totally rejected it, they count the Word of God to be foolish, and instead they place their own Word in its place. Well, the absurdity of that is the outgrowth of what we are seeing in our society today. But let's not think it was only, it's only in our time, because the Apostle faced 
exactly the same thing. He faced people whose moral conduct and whose moral definition of right and wrong was so backward, was so different and upside down from the Bible, and they were opposers of truth. And they certainly opposed Paul, and they opposed his disciples, and they opposed every good and perfect work. Well, brothers and sisters today, let us not think that we're alone in our time. Yes, things are bad and they are getting worse. But praise God, we know and trust in a sovereign Lord. And we know and trust in one who is in charge of all. And the Lord is not wringing His hands in heaven, wondering what He's going to do next. Our God is working according to His sovereign and eternal decree and plan. And let us be at the right place in the right time. And may God grant to us faith and the Spirit to go forward trusting in Him. And that as we have the opportunity of expressing the love that God has given to us one to another, let us be sure that we are directed in that way and that the Lord will give us much grace to face all of the circumstances that are around us in our time. I want to welcome you all to our morning service today. And if you're here for the first time, maybe you've returned again, you're very, very welcome. And we hope you'll sign our visitor's book before you go today in the foyer. And if you're online today, first time, or come back again, you're welcome. Send us a note via the email that will come up on your screen, and we'll be sure to remember you in prayer as you write to us. Yesterday was the funeral service, the graveside service for Mrs. Thelma Watson. I would ask you to continue to remember, please, her family in your prayers. Thank you to each one here who made the effort to go out and to stand in the cold for a period of time at the graveside. Much appreciated, and I know that the family is very thankful for that. Also, we have news of Mrs. Beulah Golliher, uh, the wife of Reverend Ian Golliher. Her mother passed away over in Northern Ireland, Mrs. Molly Monteith. And so, too, please remember Beulah and Ian flew home, and they got to see, Beulah got to see her mom before she passed away. And so that was a blessing and a mercy. And the funeral's coming up this Tuesday. And Brother Colin Mercer, some of you remember, was the minister in uh, Greenville, FPC. Well, he is now the minister there in that congregation in Northern Ireland, and he's going to be taking the funeral on Tuesday. So remember them, please, in prayer. Also, we got news of Sister Ina Greaves from our church in Jamaica. She also passed away a couple of days ago. I heard from Brother Richard, and do remember her family in prayer. Our sister Ina was a very, very faithful member of the congregation in Little London, Jamaica, and uh, she was in that church for many, many years, and uh, she has gone home to be with the Lord now. So we'll remember uh, that family, please, in our prayers. We're not going to forget to pray for Brother Cranston 
and Brother Bodner, and holding them up before the Lord as well. And our sister Winnie Powell is overseas visiting her family now, and do remember her in prayer, some of her family members not saved, and just praying that God would use her testimony and her witness at this time, and that God will work in their hearts. Remember also Brother Frank Diderno, he's down in Fredericton. This will be his second Lord's Day there, and he has one more that he'll be there to share the Word of God with the people. So remember him, please, in your prayers today. And as we think of welcoming people in the congregation, Dr. McClellan has a birthday on this very day today, and so we want to wish him a happy birthday. And also Mrs. Diana Fraser, they share the same day for birthday, so we're very happy about that. And we're happy there in the service this morning. And the Lord bless each one of them. I have a note here of thanks from our sister Joan McCurcher because she has recovered from her surgery and she's at home now. And I want to read this out. She said, I would just like to thank you all most sincerely for all your prayers for the success of my operation. Praise and thank our precious God for the answer to your prayers. We have a great God. How great Thou art! Thank God we belong to a church who believes in prayer. And she's written James 5, verse 6, Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed for the effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. With Christian love, Joan and Duncan. So we continue to hold up our sister Joan in prayer. She's back at home with Duncan now, and uh, she had some good time of convalescing as she was with her daughter Kim, and uh, she took good care of her as well. A couple of folks approached on Wednesday night after we made an appeal for volunteers for the Pregnancy Care Center, and if you would like to be involved in that, we're um, beginning to organize a group of folks from our congregation who would be then um, well directed to the Pregnancy Care Center and be able to volunteer. If you would like to be a part of that ministry, you speak to Brother James Fraser, and uh, then we'll make some other follow-up arrangements on that, and we can be a part of this local ministry as well. Remember our services today, five. 50, our prayer time before the evening service at 6.30, and then Wednesday night, our Bible study and prayer at 7.30. The gym fellowship will continue on, from 6 to 9 on Friday. And do remember our brother Kingsley Jew in your prayers. Our brother Kingsley is still going through some medical difficulties, and I know he would greatly appreciate your prayers for him at this time And then, of course, our service is next Lord's Day. A couple of advanced things. We've been thinking about our presbytery and prayer coming up in May in Toronto. Here we are hosting it. And then something that goes a little bit farther ahead than that into the month of August. We are planning a young adult Bible conference. And the title of it is going to be Spectator or Servant from the Sideline to the Starting Line. And we've invited Reverend Andrew Simpson from Prince George to be the special speaker for those days of Bible 
ministry. So keep that, and we'll give you more details as we come closer to it, but it's going to be in the month of August for about five, five days, and uh, we pray that the Lord would uh, begin to work already in the hearts of our young adults. Eighteen years of old and plus for those coming from a distance, but we'll let some of our younger young adults attend who are here in person. Let's sing again, please, to the Lord's praise, uh, number seven in your book, and we will stand as we worship the Lord.
Turn now, please, in your Bibles to John 17. John's Gospel, chapter 17, reading the first 15 verses. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee as Thou hast given Him power over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as Thou hast given Him. And this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do, And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. I have manifested Thy name unto the men which Thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and Thou gavest them me, and they have kept Thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever Thou hast given me are of Thee, For I have given unto them the words which Thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from Thee, and they have believed that Thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which Thou hast given me, for they are Thine, and all mine are Thine, and Thine are mine and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to Thee. Holy Father, keep through Thine own name those whom Thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in Thy name, Those that Thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to Thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them Thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Lord, open now our hearts to the Word of God, 
and bless the truth to our hearts so that we will be instructed and helped along our way. Give me, Lord, the strength that I need to speak the Word faithfully and clearly. Lord, speak to some soul here who is unsaved today and bring them to a living relationship in Jesus. Hear our prayers now, for we ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Verse 15, please, is our text this morning. Jesus said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. I must stay for now. I must stay for now. This past week I was speaking with a fellow minister about the Savior's prayer in John 17. And he said that he often felt that this ground was almost too sacred to speak about. And I agreed with him, as there are some portions of Scripture that by the very nature of their content, they seem to be too high, like almost too solemn for human hands to touch. And I have felt sometimes in my own ministry, when I come to a portion of Scripture and I think, I would like to preach on that. I need to bring this word, but I just cannot do it at that particular time. And yet the Holy Spirit, we know, has included this portion and others like it that are very solemn in the Bible because He wants us to be instructed in the way we are to go. And the Lord who has loved us with an everlasting love and has brought us to a knowledge of His Son and has given us all the exceeding great and precious promises and our Savior, He says He will never leave us nor forsake us. All of these things are given so that we might be approaching more and more like the image of our Lord Jesus and be like Him. And in His prayer the Son of God declares that He has kept His disciples, given to them by the Father, and none of them is lost. But, He says, the son of perdition. And that verse may have confused you at times as I thought over it myself. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean that all the Father has given to Jesus all of the committed chosen ones are given except for one to Jesus. Was He not able to, to deal with Judas? Could He not save Judas? That's not what it means at all. Because Judas was of his father the devil. And he was a betrayer and predicted in Psalm 109, verse 8, and verified in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that this man was prophesied 
as a child of Satan to do the devil's work. And he was wicked in his own heart. And David in another psalm also relayed something similar to that where he spoke about the one who was close to him as a friend and yet was a great betrayer. But the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ in their lifetime, he told them they would be maligned and hated. They would be persecuted by the world for this reason that they were not of the world. And that applies to every single one of us today who are truly born again of God's Spirit. We have been taken out of the world and out of darkness. We are not of the world anymore. And therefore, friend, do not think and do not be surprised when the world hates you because it hates Christ. And everyone who is a follower of the Lord will also be under the same target as He is. And yet the Lord Jesus said, I want my joy to be in my disciples, my people. And He prayed for them to that end. Yes, there will be joy in heaven. We know that is spoken of. But the Savior promised that we would have joy here and now in Him. Yet just as He prayed for His joy to be in us, it was not due to our immediate translation to glory. No, we would not be taken out of this world, but we would remain in it. And it's very encouraging to us that on the brink of our Lord's suffering, crucifixion, and death, He prays not about His sufferings here, but He prays to His Holy Father that He would keep His people. And He would keep them until the appointed time when they would be brought into glory. And so, friends, today I want us to think on verse 15. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but thou shouldest keep them from the evil. And let this truth sink down into our hearts and to embrace it in our minds, the purpose of God in our lives is for His glory. And we are here for that purpose. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And to that end, we must stay yet a while we must stay here for now. The first thought is this. The Christian's desire to be with Christ. It seems like a statement that doesn't need to be made. There is an old gospel hymn or song that says, This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And if you're old enough to know who Jim Reeves is, 
he popularized that song made many, many years ago. Have you not sometimes felt you'd be better off released from this life and be in heaven with Christ? And if you have ever thought that, you're not alone because you're like Elijah and Jonah and Paul and unnamed others who prayed the same thing, yet granted for sometimes different reasons. It's not unusual for you to feel from the complex entanglements of this life and all its sorrows and disappointments, from the wearying distresses of betrayal. Be sure that you're not alone. It's very likely today that someone sitting near you, if it's not yourself at this time, they're thinking that very thing. I just want to go home. I just want to be released from all that's going on in my life just now. Friend, do you remember the time when you were saved? Do you remember the elation and the joy that you had of knowing that your sins were forgiven and that your guilt was away from you, put under the blood of Christ? You are now redeemed and you have a peace with God that you'd never experienced before, but now you have it and you have it in your heart. And it's something that is knowable to you. That change in your life, what a wonderful change it is. What it must be like then to be in the very presence of Christ, that would have been a great thing and that joy. And the disciples, they also had the same thoughts because you remember when the Lord said, I must go from you, that they were crestfallen. They were downcast. Yes, I know they thought that Jesus was going to establish an earthly kingdom. He would be the king and they would be his servants with him. But there was something much deeper than that because they had a spiritual relationship with Christ. They knew him as their Lord and Savior and they wanted to be with him. And so he had to say in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. And he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And that was the promise that Jesus had given to them. It was only reasonable, therefore, that they wanted to be where the Lord was. They were given a glimpse of God's plan fulfilled in restoring life and liberty to those who were once captive by the devil. Messiah had come. All the prophecies of the Old Testament regarding the coming of the Lord had been fulfilled. And they had witnessed with their own eyes supernatural things. They had witnessed the healing of the Lord. They had witnessed those who were blind made to see and who were lame made to walk. Those who had died brought back to life again. They had seen all of these things. They were real. And therefore, it was only natural that they wanted 
to be with the Lord where he was. And it's a normal feeling that those who have been saved from sin, delivered from bondage and from the darkness of the entrapment that once they had enslaved and hopeless, but friend, you've been saved. You've been redeemed. And you possess the promise of everlasting life. And you would want to be with Him. It's a very normal thing. But I wonder today, friend, if you are not saved, if you have not been born again of God's Spirit, you're outside of Jesus this morning. You do not know Him. Your destiny is not heaven. But I say it solemnly. Your destiny right now is hell. And unless you repent of your sin and turn to Jesus Christ in repentance and to receive Him as your Savior, you will die eternally. And the hope that is given is the gospel hope. The hope that is presented this morning is the hope for you. I say to you, right where you are, call upon Him. Right where you are, repent of your sin. And you can know the joy and the peace of God's everlasting salvation. And then you will also say, yes, I would rather be absent from my body and be present with my Lord. But the second thing we have today is this. Christ's purpose for us to remain on earth for a while. If it is natural for a saved sinner to want to be with the Lord, and this is the ultimate plan of God for His people to be with Him forever, then why should He not, and why should that not take place upon my conversion? I mean, why not be saved and then go to heaven and be in glory? It seems to make sense. You know, the Lord has other plans. And the immediate departure of the disciples to heaven was not to be, and neither it is with us. But why, you ask, why would God not do that? The reason is, friends, because He wants us to be a witness for Him. In Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 10, God said through His servant Isaiah about His people that ye are My witnesses. And so the Lord determined that the people on earth, human beings, as they are on this earth, would live for a purpose. And the purpose that we have is to reflect the beauty, the image, the holiness of our God. Now, when we are sinful and unsaved, we cannot do that. But it's only once we have been converted and brought into a relationship with Christ that we now are changed. And because of that, we have the responsibility. No, no, not just that. We have the glorious privilege of being a witness for our Lord Jesus. And the purpose that God had for His Old Testament people, Israel, it was then in the Old Testament that way. But it was not just for the Jews of the Old Testament. 
It was also for those nations, those uh, Gentiles who were brought out of their darkness at that time and brought into the light of Christ to also bear a witness. What about Rahab the harlot in Jericho? A trophy of God's grace and saved and to become a great witness for Him. And there were many others in the Old Testament that as Jesus recited those specific Gentile believers that were converted in the Old Testament, the Jews in His day took Him to the brow of the hill and would throw Him down to kill Him because He dared say that God would also save other people. Ah, friend, today it has been God's intention that His people are to be witnesses for Him. And the miracle of sovereign grace is that the Lord would look down upon frail and broken and unreliable people to be witnesses of His love, witnesses of His grace, His forgiveness, and His mercy. But so it is. And so He has done. And so we today are called to be His witnesses The disciples of Christ had a task to do. They were commanded to go and to tell the world about a resurrected Lord, about a Redeemer, the Son of God, that had come to earth, had lived a holy life, had died on the cross, was buried, and rose from the dead, and they were to go and tell that message They were to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And what were they to preach and tell? They were to tell of the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus. How was the gospel of saving grace to be spread? Was it by angels? No. Was it by some mystical revelation given through dream or vision? No. Was it by some mechanical means? No. It was by those very people who had experienced God's grace. It was by the very people who had tasted of the Lord's goodness and His power and His love. And they were to go. And the Lord said to His disciples, you wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you will go to Jerusalem, your home. You will go throughout Judea. You will go to Samaria. They weren't too happy about that initially. But they had to go to Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And they were going to speak and to spread the good news of salvation, the gospel word, and speaking about that wonderful change that had been wrought in their lives. Friends, we are praying in our church that God will make us soul winners for Him. Have you prayed that prayer? It's not enough for me to pray it. It's not enough for somebody else to pray it. I wonder just now, ask yourself this question. Have I prayed that God will use me to lead a soul to Christ. Ask God right now for Him to use you. 
Ask Him to make you a witness. Ask that the Lord would open that door in front of you, that He will loose your tongue. Oh, I know the feeling. You're thinking, I don't know how to speak to people. I find it so hard. I'm nervous. I'm embarrassed. Friend, none of us can do that work on our own. All of us need the power of God. All of us need the Holy Spirit to come upon us and to empower us, to give us that strength, taking away the fear of man. And when you ask the Lord to fulfill the very purpose and reason that He has you here on earth, He has kept you here. Why? He wants you to witness for Him. That's why. So don't close yourself off in your church. Don't close yourself off in your home. But pray that God would make use of you as I pray that God would make use of me as His servant. That we will be able to speak of His amazing grace and transformation. It's normal for us to be afraid, you know. Moses was that way. You remember the situation in Exodus where God called Moses and said, I want you to go and deliver my people from Pharaoh in Egypt. He said, me? I cannot go. I can't even speak. And he said, no, Lord, send someone else. And then we read the conversation that God had with Moses. And the Lord set down another reason why, no, Moses, you're the one that needs to go. But that wasn't enough for him. He comes back again and says, no, Lord, I can't go because I can't do this and I can't. And Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah said the same thing. He said, Lord, I am a child. I cannot speak. I don't have ability. And the Lord said to him, who made man's tongue? Say not that you are a child. For I will empower you with my spirit and you will be able to speak. Maybe we think we're too spiritually immature. We're too limited to do so great a work. But who is the one who is going to equip us? Who is the one who is going to open our mouths and give us the words to speak and bring the Scripture to our hearts? It is, my friend, the same One who empowered the apostles to go and speak. The same Lord who is powerful to encourage and to engage and to equip His people today. And He has called us to go. Is there something more that we could do for the Lord? Ask that question. Yes, He has called us to be a witness for Him but He is also keeping us here on earth to be salt in this world. Sometimes you have to go on a salt-free diet if you've been in the hospital for some reason and they serve you the hospital food, which is, well, something to be desired at the best of times, but when it doesn't have salt in it, I suppose it's even worse. And you think to yourself, I can't even eat this stuff. Salt makes such a difference. And the Lord says salt is good. And of course, salt savors, but salt preserves. And the Lord has called us to be a testimony for Him in this world. And He wants us to be in operation in society. 
And He sends out Christians in all different walks of life. He has you in the place where He wants you to be. He has you there as a believer walking in the light of truth to walk by the conviction that you have in honesty and holiness because you by your very presence are a preservative in the environment that you're in. And you might think, I don't think I'm doing anything. I don't think I'm any use to any degree. But friend, God has you here for a reason. And if you're His child at work, in your home, in our church, God said that the holy behavior of a saved wife or a saved husband has a powerful effect upon an unsaved loved one. And that their families are in essence salted. They are preserved, sanctified by the very holy life of that godly testimony. Does that mean that all problems are going to vanish away? We know that's not the case. But the Lord has your witness, has your testimony, has the salt of your Christian experience and presence. He has that there to show how a Christian copes with the problems that they face in life, even within the home and the family. Friend, do not diminish. Do not minimize the power of a holy life, of an uncompromised testimony. For as McShane said, he said the best thing that he could give to his congregation was a holy life. Not great preaching, not great visitation, but he summed it up as a man who lives before God as He should. And that's the witness that God calls us to have. And that, my dear friends, is summing up the reasoning as to why Christ wanted and prayed that we would not be taken out of this world, but that we would remain in the world to be a witness, to be salt, but also that we would pray Yes, the ministry of prayer is so important. Now you ask yourself, as I do, how a sovereign God works through the prayers of fallible, weak humans. It's a wonder that goes beyond us. How does God's sovereignty and His providence blend in with my frail, feeble, inconsistent praying? and yet work out that God will answer our prayers for His greater purpose. How is that? But the Lord is at work and He does it. Who of us considers that our prayers are not just circumstance-altering but life-changing? Do any of us think that? And yet, dear brother and sister, know this that God has placed within us the vehicle, the armament, the ability, the artillery of our prayer. And let us be therefore mighty in prayer before a holy God and realize that God hears and answers our prayers 
And let us use the prayer equipment and warfare that He has given to us to salt and preserve and to testify the truth that God has chosen to use the prayers of His people to move His hand. Yes, He does that. And how it all works, I do not know. But this is what God does. He moves His hand in preserving society. He moves His hand in correcting wicked governments. He moves His hand in stopping cruel and murderous people in their acts. And God answers our prayers to the salvation of loved ones and the testifying that we will make within society. The power of prayer is our mightiest weapon. Never mind guns and strategy. Apart from the artillery of prayer, we are called to be prayer warriors. Let us therefore determine as His children to lay hold upon Him in simple faith and see our God do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Why and how? Because God is able to deliver. He is able for nothing is impossible with Him. So yes, the Lord keeps us here on earth for very good reasons. And His timing is always right. It may not always be clear to us. And sometimes, quite frankly, we will wonder, why are we lingering? Why does God allow someone to continue in sickness, in pain, in weakness, in inability, under old age? But they remain until the time that they are called to go home. Friends, because God, God's ways and purposes are never without cause. He is always doing according to His mind and will. And therefore, we should be praying against the sin of our nation in euthanasia and how our government is authorizing the willful murder of people taking their own lives Friends, let's be at the business of prayer as God's servants in our country at this time. And let us count the great value of our prayers for ourselves and for our families, for our country, and for this very fellowship here. That we will see the vitality, the importance of this in our ministry. Our Lord Jesus prayed, that we would not be taken out of the world that is not before God's appointed time so that we could fulfill our work. And we read in John 17 that very statement that Jesus said to His Father, I have completed and fulfilled My work. Oh, it was not yet fulfilled in the cross, but it was completed as it was fulfilled. He was going to the cross and He saw all His work done. And He wants us also to remain on earth in the Father's sovereign purpose until your work is done. Believer, until your work is done, you are invincible until God takes you home. 
We will not be careless about that thought. But we are safe and secure in Him. And we will not be taken before the time that God calls. So the Christian's desire is to be with Christ. That is self-evident. And we have the Lord's purpose for us to remain on earth. And the final thought is this. Our Lord's promise to keep us from evil. He prays, Lord, keep them from the evil. Commentators have divided their opinion on what the evil means here. Does it mean the devil in person himself? Does it mean the pervasive wickedness that is in the world around us? Does it mean the abiding evil in our hearts? Well, there's no point arguing about that because every aspect of this is encompassed in that word, the evil. And we must be kept from all three. Think of the doxology that we have in Luke, pardon me, in Jude 24. It says, Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. This is at the very heart of the prayer that Jesus was praying to His Father. Keep them from evil. And what about the Lord's prayer He taught to His disciples? In that we have the line, deliver us from evil, is what they were to pray. Those whom God gave to His Son in covenant promise, He will keep and bring safely to glory. One of the great Bible texts about the assurance of our salvation is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. If you haven't memorized that as a Christian, I encourage you to do that. It says, Who, believers, are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. And of course, Peter the Apostle is speaking that word and reinforcing to the believer's heart that we are not kept by ourselves. I mean, we did not will ourselves into salvation. It was by God's grace that we've been brought in. And we will not will ourselves out of salvation. We are kept by the power of God. This verse is so good. But does it not also apply brothers and sisters, to the very thought of what Jesus is asking of His Father, Father, keep them through Thy name, through Thy power. Jesus said, I give unto My sheep eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any be able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. Oh, friends, today we cannot keep ourselves for a number of reasons. Our inability to overpower the devil, our own sinful hearts, which is why we must be kept by God's power today. And the God who has saved us is more than able to keep us and this repeated theme throughout all the Scripture, it's reinforced to us again. Let Satan scheme as he wills, 
Because greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. One commentator wrote this, Who can contemplate the legion of spiritual foes which encompass the believer's path and remember at the same time the powerful ally and a better of Satan that we carry within our own hearts and not feel that unless the power of the grace of God interfered on our behalf, none of us would be saved and none of us would be kept. J.C. Ryle wrote, To abide here in this veil of tears, tried, tempted, assaulted, and yet kept from falling into sin, is the surest plan to promote the sanctification of Christians, and glorify Christ. To go to heaven at once in the day of conversion would doubtless be an easy course and would save us much trouble. But the easiest course is not always the path of duty. And he that would win the crown must carry the cross and show himself light in the midst of darkness, and salt in the midst of corruption. But maybe the question's coming in your mind right now. Why then do Christians fall into sin, and some very seriously, if God is to keep us from evil? One thing we know is that to boast of not falling into sin is a serious sin itself, and it would be a serious mistake. The Lord tells us, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. And so, let's all be very, very sharp today and not think, oh, I've not fallen into sin and therefore I won't fall into sin. No, don't think that way. The Lord said, if you will be kept from falling into sin, it is by the Lord's grace and by the very promises that He has given to us in His Word and by the walls and the obstacles that God puts in our pathway to keep us from falling. Perhaps the answer as to why some believers do fall into serious sin lies somewhere between the walls that God places in our path and the willfulness of a stubborn heart to ignore and bypass the way of escape. And that believer is something that you will have to address in your own heart as I will have to in mine. Because one thing is certain, there is not going to come a time where you or I can blame God and say, I fell into sin because, God, you didn't stop me and protect me. That charge can never be brought against the Lord. But it's true, some Christians fall into deep sin. And friends, as we think and contemplate that, it does us all very well to pray, Lord, Keep me from falling. 
pray over Jude verse 24, that doxology, and pray over the prayer that Jesus has bring, brought to His Father, that, Lord, we would be kept from the evil of our own hearts, kept from the evil of the environs round about us, kept from the evil of the devil himself, and kept in the center of God's will to walk in holiness and purity before Him. The blight on our testimony, the blight on us being salt in the world, and the blight on our prayers will all come crashing down if we fall into sin. Friends, pray that God will keep you Pray that God will keep your brothers and sisters. Pray that God will keep this congregation. Because apart from the keeping power of the Lord, we will all stumble and fall. You perhaps have seen someone walking their dog on a leash. And you have seen those leashes that have the recoiled cables. lets the dog run out as long as it's 20 feet or 30 feet. And then the dog's supposed to be coming back and it winds it back up into the little retractable thing again. Now that's not so much restraint until the dog gets to the end of that line and then can't go any further. But you have also seen a situation where someone is walking with an animal on a leash and the animal is walking right by the side of the master. And the leash is held very close to the collar. And the dog is walking very close. You know what? You pray that prayer for yourself. The Lord would keep the leash very tight and you keep us very close to Him. Never mind that leash that lets us run far away. Let's keep and pray that the Lord will not allow us to wander off and get ourselves mixed up in trouble but that we will be kept close to Him. Because, believer, when we walk close with the Lord, we will not stumble and fall into sin and dishonor our Lord. Let us pray the Savior keeps a very close eye on us. Let us all beware in our Christian life not to trifle with sin, do not try to get as close to the world as you can. Oh, is this not a big problem? Desiring to be like the world, desiring to be close to it, desiring to take on some of the things and the stuff of the world because of the entertainment of it, because of the glory and the glitz of it all. But we do well to say, Lord, let us avoid those things that are going to lead us down the pathway. And let us pray daily that we'll be kept from going in that way. So, believer, we conclude with this. Be content that God's timing for our lives is always the best. He has brought us into this world by appointment, and He will take us home on His schedule. We have a work to do, and therefore... Let us do it with all our might and be about the Master's business. Mr. Ryle quoted a man called George Newton. 
And he said this, Let us not be so eager for our wages as our rest till we have finished our work and served our generation. When we have done so, God will glorify Himself forever in taking us home to be with Him. Let's bow, please, in prayer. Lord, write this prayer of our Lord Jesus upon our hearts. And dear Father, I pray it will be fulfilled completely in all our lives. Hear us today, Lord. We ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to close with number 554. Take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys are but a name, but His love abideth ever through eternal years the same. We'll stand please to sing. Give me Jesus, let me view his constant smile. Then throughout my pilgrim's journey, light will cheer me all the while. Take the world, but give me Jesus. In his cross, my trust shall be, till with clearer, brighter vision, face to face, my Lord, I see. The last verse.
Father, we pray that the truth of this song and the Word of God that we have read today would be written on our souls that, Lord, we would be more Christ-like and less like our old self. Save some soul today, Father. Speak to their soul by the power of the Spirit and bring them to Jesus by faith. Part us now in Your fear with Your mighty blessing because we come to pray to One who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.